You know, one of the most, one of the most worn out questions, I don't know if you know what it is, one of the most worn out questions ever, ever, ever is this. Hey, how are you? Totally worn out. How are you? Because, you know, we we always just give the trait, good, I'm good. That's what we always say. It doesn't matter what the context is. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter if you're in the doctor's office. How are you? Good. Just every situation we come in, it just seems to be the natural knee-jerk response, I'm good. Everything's fine. Even when it's not good, even when life is difficult, that seems just to be how we always come across. So how are you? Yeah, you're not. You liars. You can't believe it. We're not fine. You know, how's your day been? How's your week been? So I'm kind of taking a detour today on our series on the Holy Spirit. We'll come back to it next week. And I just need to talk to you today about what God is teaching me right now. And maybe he's teaching it to you as well. Because we say, you know, how are you? How's your week been? Um, it's been a tough week. Let's just be open. It's been a tough week, man. It's been a tough week for many people. And, um, and for many different reasons. And so when we come to days like these, we just need to hit the pause button. That's just what I want to do this morning. Let's just hit the pause button and let's go to some well-worn passages of Scripture to be reminded of just what does God want us to know? What does he want us to do? What does he want us to be when we come to tough days and tough times? So I invite you, go ahead and grab your copy of the scriptures and turn to James chapter 1. Please turn to James 1. If you're online, James chapter 1. And we're going to be looking at the first few verses, verses 1 through 4. And I'm just telling you, like, you know, Tough times are abounding in our day. Just this week, I talked to uh, an individual who's dealing with cancer. I talked to a family who had a loved one who had a heart attack. I talked to a family who, who has a family member who's just recently been in prison. I talked to someone who's been dealing with addictions. You know, and the list goes on and on you know i talked to a family who who the family is just is faltering and struggling and so you know it just continues to to go and just add your stuff and my stuff from there there's just no way to avoid trials there's no way to avoid challenges or hurts or pains and yet through all of the rigors and ripples in life just the bible rings loud and clear with some specific commands in our times of challenge and trial. And here's what it says, and there's just no way around it. It's actually pretty simple. Verses 1 to 4 of James. So look there with me. Let's just walk through it together. There's going to be two simple commands that God wants from all of us in our time of trial. Verse 1, look at it. It says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, To the twelve tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. Here's the two commands. Verse 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, 
Whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Second command, verse 4. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So just quickly, here's some background on the whole text. Really, much of the background is stuffed right there in verse 1. James is, this, is the brother of Jesus, and he wrote this letter to individuals described here in verse 1. They were believers. They were mostly Jewish believers. They were called the 12 tribes, and so we understood that they were Jewish believers, probably from native Israel, and most likely these were laymen and laywomen under James' ministry who were running because it said they were scattered. So they were running because of persecution. And so here's what James does. James just pulls them together and says, hey, I, I want to be a shepherd to you. I know you're being persecuted. I know that you're being hurt and challenged. I want to be a shepherd to you. I want to help you understand. Here's how you go through challenges. Here's how you deal with trials. So here's his shepherdly counsel to them by inspiration of the Spirit. And I want to give it to you as well, and I'm giving it to me as well. There's two keys to grow through difficult days. And they're right here in verses 2 through 4. So the very first key to grow through a difficult day is choose joy in our trials. Choose joy in our trials. Look at verse 2. Follow it. It's pretty simple. He says, consider it pure. Are you with me? Consider it pure what? Consider it pure joy. Now, we didn't read it wrong. That is the word. Consider it pure joy. And he mentions trials of various kinds. So let's just tackle that first. He mentions the trials, they are either internal trials, is what the word means, or external afflictions. The text talks about they could be internal enticements to sin, like he mentions a little bit later in verse 13, or they could be external afflictions or challenges, like he mentions in verse 14 of chapter 5. And so here's a number of trials that he mentions. He mentions religious persecution right off the bat in verse 1. He mentions financial trials in verse 9. He mentions temptation to sin in verse 13. He mentions in chapter 2, verse 6, persecution due to social and economic status. Basically, they're outcasts. He mentions in chapter 5, verse 14, illness. So basically, talk about a wide net. He just draws it, throw whatever issue you're going through, boom, chuck it in there. Whatever trial you're going through, put it in the net. And he says, consider it pure joy. Now, I know you're thinking, okay, pure joy. This is probably the only place he talks about this. This can't really be the primary instruction that God would have for us whenever we go through trials. So let me just show you, this isn't the only place in the Bible where he says he wants us to be joyous when we go through challenges. So look with me. Let's just do a little bit of quick movement through Scripture. Look over at Matthew. Just move on through. 
over to the Gospel of Matthew, the first book of the New Testament, Matthew chapter 5. Look at the words of Jesus in the book of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 11 and 12. If you write in your Bible, it's a great passage to write right next to the James 1. Verse 11 and 12. Look at what Jesus says. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Notice verse 12. Rejoice and be glad. Because great's your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So James isn't the only one to say this. He's like, you know what? Joy is supposed to be a natural response of the believer when we go through challenges. Jesus said it too. Here's another one, Romans 5.3. Write that one down as well. Romans 5.3, the words of the Apostle Paul, he says, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. We glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. So there's purpose for our challenge. And it's seen also in the book of 1 Peter 1. So on the other side of James, 1 Peter 1, verse 6, and Peter writes, in all this, in all these challenges, you greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trial. Now, don't get on me for this. This is repeated throughout Scripture. When we go through challenges, the text says we need to have a spirit of joy. And it's not just a spirit of joy. Here's the key word. Let me give it to you right now. Because he says, consider it. Here's the key word. Consider it pure joy. Consider it all joy. The key is undiluted, unpolluted joy. So in talking about this, can I ask you, when trials come, what natural emotions come to us? How about fear? Anger? Bitterness? Despair, giving up. There's so many emotions that can stand out to us. There's, there's so many, like impatience, frustration, judging. We, we have so many other things when trials come to us that we want to respond with that are pollutants to true joy that God wants us to have when we go through challenges. And God's saying, no, 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 no. I don't want you to be polluting the spirit of joy that you're supposed to have when you go through your struggles. Our joy in adversity is not to be polluted or diluted. Our joy is not to be a plastic mask or an outward show. It's supposed to spring from within. And then I know the big question is, how in the world am I supposed to have joy when I go through a tough time? And the text answers it right here. 
How do we have joy in trials? And here's the deal. He answers it, verse 3. Because you know, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Your trial is not for nothing. It's not wasted. It has purpose. It produces perseverance. Now I know it doesn't look like I've been in the gym before. But about 30 years ago, when I was in college, I used to go to the gym. I used to work out. And I remember standing around all the guys, around the big buff guys that were, that were benching. Man, they'd put their all into this. They'd stuff the weights on the ends, and they'd get ready to do this. Come on. We're going to do 10. We're going to do 10. Come on. Let's do this thing. And man, they start to, they start to do this, and you just see the veins just popping out of their arms, the veins on their neck. And they start to just make all kinds of noises, and they're doing it. And all the guys around them are like, come on, come on, come on, come on. And they're pumping it. One, two, three. And you could just see the anguish on their faces that they're pushing, 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 and then finally 10, and clank, it goes back on the bar, and the guy gets up, he's like, and he puts his hands together, and he's got this big smile across his face, and he grunts a few words that we had no idea what he's saying, and he's smiling like, and you're thinking, why in the world is this guy smiling? What's his problem? He just put himself through all kinds of pain, and struggle and anguish. Like, what's his deal? And you know what it is, is he realizes that through all of that resistance and all of that challenge, I'm building something. I'm adding to my body something like he knows a product is coming he knows it and so James says you can have joy through adversity you can have joy through problems you can have joy through challenges because you know it's not a I think. You know that God is testing your faith. Not to see if it's there. He's testing the quality of it. Because he wants to produce perseverance. Here's my chance to grow. I'm not going to grow on the spiritual couch. I grow in the spiritual weight room with resistance, with some pain, with some struggle. And that gives a perspective to my mind. Even though I may not enjoy it, like the song we just sang, I know he's working. And I know he's trying to produce a product in my life. 
So I want you to think about it. Your trial right now, what is it? Just think about it in your head. What is my trial? Why do you think God has that in your life right now? What is God trying to produce in your life right now? And when we capture some of that purpose, that's where we can choose joy. God's trying to grow me. He's trying to build perseverance. He wants to develop a greater quality of faith in my life. Here's the second command. We choose joy, pure joy, undiluted joy. The second command, don't cut off the growth process or don't cut the growth process short. Verse four, he says, when these trials come, Consider it pure joy. And then verse 4, let perseverance finish its work. That's, that's the primary command. Let perseverance finish. Don't stop it. In our pain-adverse world where we're so set on, you know, I'm in pain, give me some meds. I hurt, something needs to stop this, end this right now, get it over with. I'm done with it. He says, you know what? This process needs to continue. Don't end it before it needs to do what it should do in your life. Kind of like that of gold and silver refining. Don't pull it out of the refinery before it's ready. There's a quality that needs to be there. And if we pull it out too quickly... That gold will never be as pure as what it should be. That silver will never have the purity that it must have. It needs to go through the fire. It needs to go through the heat to be that precious metal from all uncleanness. That's what this testing is about. Let it finish its work. Because ultimately, like the, like the text says, let perseverance finish its work because there's something it's going to produce in us and it's maturity it's completeness this idea of it's going to grow us up it's going to keep us from being childish in our faith and doing stupid childish things but it's going to cause us to think more like jesus and be more like jesus so let's just walk it backwards for to ever become mature in the faith, grow up. For to ever do that, we need to develop perseverance. And the only way to develop perseverance is to go through hard times. And the only way to go through hard times is with a decidedly joyful spirit that is undiluted with the attitudes that would keep us from moving forward. Now I got thinking about it. Um, you don't take the cake out of the oven early, you know? You don't take the cookies out of the oven early. If you're installing a program on your computer, 75% say, yeah, that's good enough. It's not good enough. You need to let it, let it go all the way to 100% when it says finished, set up. 
You don't really want to deliver your baby at five months. I mean, all this stuff makes sense to us. Because there's a finished product that God wants to do. Things need the the entire process to be complete in our lives. And I know our painless culture wants to end discomfort now. Just get it over with. We shouldn't have to experience any problems. But sometimes ending the process too soon because of our desire for comfort. Because we don't want to wait. Although we think we might be helping us we actually may be doing a disservice to us by cutting short our growth process. So I got three questions. Let's get personal. Three questions for us. Number one, can you answer this personally? I've been answering these the last number of days. Number one, what attitudes surface during my trial. Can you answer that personally? What attitudes surface during my trial? Just think through your last trial. What attitudes came into your life, into your mind? What came out of your mouth? What expressions came from your heart to others around you? What did you express to God? Because if it's something that is not like Jesus, those are the things that keep us from persevering. And if we don't persevere, we don't mature. And so we need to think about what attitudes come. Was it bitterness? Was it impatience? Was it despair? That's it, I'm giving up. I'm just giving up. Was it anger? Was it frustration? This isn't going the way I want. Was it retaliation? Boy, they're going to get it from me. If we dilute our attitude with ones that aren't like Christ, we'll hurt the growth process. We're going to hurt it. We'll never move on to persevere if we don't have joy. If we don't realize God's doing something, have joy knowing God's up to something, and he's up to something good. Know it. Here's number two. Here's number two. Second question, am I patient through the process of my trial? It's a hard question to ask. Not only what attitude surface, it's a toughie, but number two, am I patient through the process of my trial? This is a big one. Think about it. Do we just want to cut it off quickly? Do we want to say, you know, I'm, I'm just done with this. End it. You know, like... I, my marriage, you know, I'm just, just done with this thing. You know, this conversation I'm having with my spouse, I'm just going to scream at him and get this thing over with right now. Or sometimes a single person like, I'm tired of being single, I'm just going to end this by just getting together with whomever, you know. You know, so many times we go through a trial and we just want, how do I get out quickly? 
So I want to give you something. Instead of saying, how do I get out of this? Ask, what does God want me to learn through this? That's the question. Not, how do I get out? What does God want me to learn? Here's number three. This is the big question. Am I growing? Am I really growing? Am I maturing in my living? And I believe we measure that by our responses. Am I growing or maturing in my living? How are our responses to others? Do they show maturing? You know, I was looking at um, 1 Corinthians 13 last week. And some people measure spirituality by giftedness or knowledge or even I do a lot of things. And there's an equation that God gives in 1 Corinthians 13, and here's what it is. That anything minus love equals nothing. Anything minus love equals nothing. And so some people say, hey, I'm gifted, I'm maturing. Well, if you have not love, the scriptures say, you're nothing. I'm knowledgeable. I know all these things. The scriptures say, if you have not love, you're nothing. I do all of these things for others, and the scriptures say, but if you don't have love, like if it's a photo op, you're nothing. Maturity, biblically, is our response, our life response to others. Are we growing? Are we maturing? Through our trials, through our trials. big questions to ask. Now, I just want you to know, I just preached to myself and let you listen in. So thank you. But would you stand with me? And would you close your eyes? Because there is absolutely nothing right now between you and God's word. There's nothing. There's no excuse. There's no situation. It's you and God's word. And I want you to line yourself up just like I've had to do with your latest challenge. Because it's God's way to test, to grow, to mature. Can you do an attitude check really quick? How'd you do? What's been your response? Have you been patient to let this work in your life to grow you? Or are we quick to end it? To make the quick judgment or the quick response and to be over with it? God wants to grow us. And if you want to do some business with God right now, let's do it. Let's do it. Would you talk to him in your heart? Just like I have been, I'm just going to give you a moment of silence and then I'm going to pray for us at the end. Talk to God. Do some business with him personally.
Father, we've had many conversations recently. And I'm just one of us here because we've all been going through things. Thank you for your word that settles the path through our challenge and through our trial. Forgive us for wandering from it with our own polluted attitudes or by ending the process prematurely. Thank you for being so loving to want to grow us through the weight room. Because we need to grow. And in the end, may we be more mature, more like Jesus in our life, in our actions, our attitudes, our love, our grace. So God, here we are at church. We want to present ourselves to you as a sweet smelling aroma, something that you would be pleased with. Grow us, we pray. In the name of Jesus, amen.